How'd that go? Did you enjoy doing those group trainings? Yeah, it was frustrating. What was very difficult is the people had problems implementing. They got a lot out of it, and we converted quite a number of them to one-on-one private consulting clients because they realized how much work it is. But it was a little frustrating because people were just not getting it. Yeah, it, you know, and, and, and so many of them has their ego so invested in what they're already doing. Uh, there's a saying that a lot of people would rather be right than rich. Yeah. But that's a typical small business owner. That's why they stay small. They're concerned about, you know, feeling justified in their actions. They never step outside to see what they can do differently. They felt this by participating in this course, then they were doing the right thing, and it didn't really require any kind of real work and change on their part. So what you're saying, from your experience there, people, <laughs> they want better marketing, but they don't want to do better marketing themselves. But w would you say these people would rather pay somebody to do the marketing for them? Absolutely. In so, fact, they, they don't want any kind of responsibility whatsoever. They would just love to hand someone a check and then for you to hand them back higher sale. All right, let me ask you this before we move on. That chamber meeting, how many did you sign up for one-on-one -on -one consulting? And tell me the differentiation between the people, why some chose group and why some chose individual from your experience. Well, we only signed up one one-on-one -on -one, uh, deal, but it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, how, how, was it a standard thing or you could charge different amounts? It was, was $9,000 a month for eight months plus 5% of their sales increases. Okay, so from that one chamber meeting, you signed it. You had a guy who did that, a business who signed up for that. That's right, and this was a uh, mid-sized printing company that did about $7 million a year. We're still a very good client of us. It's now... Now we're just uh, participation only. Let me ask you a question. Uh, sorry to interrupt. How much did that email cost you to send out? Nothing. How much? You know, so you you invested a couple hours doing this presentation. How many how many dollars in sales did that eventually that one presentation for the chamber bring your consulting business? Well, we, actually, I haven't added it up, but it was well over a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand dollars for an email out to about a thousand people to a chamber of commerce. That's not a bad return. But I'm just very comfortable doing consulting. A lot of people who were sold on the system were in their 40s, sometimes in their 50s, even in their 60s, and they spent all their whole career doing something completely different than consulting. They've never worked for themselves. I've always worked. They're just not very entrepreneurial. A lot of them were engineers and didn't really have very good people skills. So it just I think that they were a little too promiscuous and offering the training and the consulting program to, to certain people. I just don't think that certain people were cut out for it. Do any more promotions for any more presentations, or did you just work the, work with those that you had generated from the first chamber meeting? Were you continuing to do marketing, or were you working with the clients in the group mastermind presentation for a while? Well, we got busy pretty quick, but we did a second seminar um, in a hotel where we did do the backsplash. And got about 100 businesses in there. Yeah, all right, so you did, a, you did a fax blast that they gave you the art and everything, and you faxed it out to what? Who? We faxed it out to any um, business fax number we, we had access to. Yeah, how many did you send out? I think I sent out about 3,000 faxes. To your local area. That's right. And the fax was an offer for what? Free seminar? Did they have to pay? It was for a free seminar. And two hundred and eighty eight dollars and fifty cents worth of bonuses just for showing up. 
Okay. And when was it held? What in the morning? Uh, it was in the morning from eight to noon. All right. So you had about a hundred businesses show up. That's right. Did you use the standard PowerPoint like you did at the chamber? No, this was a four-hour thing. Oh, four-hour. The PowerPoint was how long? Well, the one at the chamber was one hour. The PowerPoint that we did for when we put on a seminar completely by ourselves was four hours. All right. And how much of it was PowerPoint? What was this? How did this differentiate from the, the initial one-hour one? Well, it was much more in-depth. We actually had them go through parts of the system right there and the seminar. And we actually did some hot seats, as they would call it. I believe we just call it flash consulting right there in front of the group. And people seem to like those? Yeah, absolutely. So people would get up in the front of the room and they talk about their business and you or the whole group would try and uh, fix their problems? Actually, I would pretty much try to fix the problems. But what I would do, for example, let's just say if someone is a roofer and they want to know how to create a marketing piece that's going to effectively get people to call him uh, before they're his competitors. So what, what we do is, you know, say, look, let's take a poll. So we would survey the group. Anyone here ever had their, uh, a roof replaced? And maybe 10 people have. And, okay, what are your experiences? What were your concerns? What was your buying process? You know, your selection process and, and selecting a roofer. Explain to me the kind of frustrations that you've had. So basically coaching these businesses on the fact that the ultimate answer is in finding out how to market to someone is not a marketing guru. It's actually the prospect themselves in really learning how to survey and ask and, and, and focus on your target market. Okay. How did you like doing the four-hour presentation? Well, it was difficult because the... At this point, I started seeing the problems with the MYM system. All right, tell me about that. The MYM system, really, the whole presentation is about advertising. All right, and, and really, it, I think it's because there's several things. If they're going to create a system that is the ultimate system for marketing, I think it has to be just a portion of the marketing spectrum, not the whole pie. So they, they focused on, on advertising, and, and they really taught us to find setups. People who are already advertising, people who I could, we could easily go and just change their advertisement, and then boom, making them a lot of money. So you didn't talk, you didn't talk about three ways to grow a business. You talked about three ways to make your advertising better. That's right. And, and advertising is just a small part of the marketing umbrella. That's correct. So there was really nothing else other than improving results in advertising. It was about their messaging, too, that in terms of creating. We, we did show them how to create an elevator pitch, but it really wasn't comprehensive. It didn't talk about pillars, you know, kind of profit nine kind of philosophy. It didn't talk about optimizing what you're already doing. So where were these frustrations coming out? Because people in there maybe weren't doing advertising or what? Well, yeah, some people were like, oh, we don't do yellow page advertising, or we don't do advertising. Because the seminar says learn the newest, most effective marketing, advertising, and sales techniques of the headline. And so we talked about some more pure marketing and, and, and sales stuff, but it really is around advertising. All right, so that became apparent during that, pre that four-hour presentation. Yeah. So some people, it just wasn't relevant for them. 
Right. And, and even though technically they could have taken that information and really used it, say, in a sales letter or just what they say to a client in the sales pitch, putting together a report, they didn't see the application of that information. Okay. So that was frustrating. Anything else? I, I would say that when you get a client from that kind of scenario, that people expect you to, to pretty much do what is done in that seminar, you know, all the examples we, we showed them in the seminar. However, that's not the best way to enter into a consulting situation. What you want to do is, first of all, look at what they're doing already and optimize that. Instead of putting on, as Jay would put it, a different pillar that they have no experience in and this confusing the issue further. So their expectation as far as what should, should be done based on the seminar and actually even the, the MYM audio book, they, their expectations are, I think, not correct. I, I've literally gone into a business and I've tripled their sales in the first month. And they were like, when are we really, really going to give them the thing? And that was because I didn't manage their expectations properly. Because I hadn't gone through what, quote, unquote, that monopolized your marketplace system was. Yeah, you were pitching people all at one time. You weren't looking at them individually like you had a chance to sit down with them and really look at what they want and where they were at individually. Okay, so all right, so after that, you pitched, you, you did the workshop to 100 people. What were the results from that? What came out of that? That actually, believe it or not, created less business than the Chamber Seminar. I believe we maybe got some more mastermind people. I don't, we did get one one client, but it was a smaller client. Uh, the quality just wasn't as high, but the volume was higher. The volume was there, but the message to them, what you delivered was different from what they were there for. Yeah, and actually, I've thought a lot about that since, and, and I really think it's because the people... The kind of businesses where they're actually going to respond to is they expect less, and the owner's actually going to respond to that versus, like, a secretary. So they're small businesses. That printing company client, which was the first client that I got after from the you know, watch marketing consultant, I would have never reached them through a fax flat. Yeah, and yeah, your, your, your chamber of commerce market was a, a lot more qualified than the fax market. Yes, absolutely. That's probably why. You had a higher quality list. Yeah, and a lot of the people showed up to the uh, seminar were salespeople. Yeah, and it was also endorsed by, it was somewhat of an endorsed, it was in somewhat of an endorsed offer, you know, since it was done through the chamber. Absolutely, it's huge. It, it, I've done testing. When, when you send something through a chamber of commerce, the open rate's like 85%. Tell my consultants, my HMA consultants, do you think they could work their local chambers and do what you did? If they have the tools to, to put on a, uh, a PowerPoint? Oh, absolutely. People are always looking for ways to increase their business. And people love these things. And the fact is, every single chamber, you're going to see the same insurance. Every single seminar that you ever go to for a chamber, you're going to see the same insurance salesman. You're going to see the same real estate agent. You're going to see the same hustlers. But you're still going to get a, a good percentage of people that are legitimate prospects. You, you saw some problems with the with the message and, and the Y2 system. What was your thinking now? What did you do from there? Well, actually, the whole next year, I actually said, you know what? I'm not really interested in taking any kind of client on, and I realized I don't need clients. That's one thing I think is very critical to understand because if you're really that good at marketing, and you really understand how to drive business, you do not need a client because you have so much leverage that you could 
you could pretty much create a system to create a flood of business for a particular industry. Or you can create a system and license it to multiple companies within that industry. So give me, just give me an example of what you were thinking in relation to what you were doing. So you said, I don't want clients. Was it working with clients individually, was it tough for you? No, not at all. I just didn't think it was a high leverage of my time. When I really made the jumping income was from actually creating systems and leveraging across a group of companies instead of within the same industry versus going to one guy might be a printing company, one might be an insurance company, one might be a auto repair shop. It's just too hard to really leverage these, these kind of deals together. But it's great if you get like a mortgage company and a real estate company. And an insurance company, well, because this, all three of them have the same fire. And you can leverage these people off of each other and really just create enormous synergy. So who would you recommend uh, consultants stay away from? What kind of clients should they stay away from? And what, client, what kind of clients would you suspect are really nice potential uh, clients? Anyone who's asking for a reference right away, I'll stay away from them. What do you mean? I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, you know, if you're sitting down and you finally get that meeting and they're asking for references, they just want to, okay, it's coming with, it's, that, you don't want to deal with those kind of people. Even if you do have good references to give them, they're never going to try to go through the learning curve they need to go through to really understand what you can do for them. The best client is someone that, I don't know what you guys give to people, but why do marketing consultants, they give people the MYM auto, audio book, the Not Bless Your Marketplace audio book. And all the best clients listen to that thing five, six times. Is it a just a CD or is it a book too? It's a two. It's a two CD audio book. Okay. Okay. So your best clients, they devour it. That's right. And so they're qualified. They're also pre-educated about what they can expect. Since I I don't use the MYM CDs and I'm not really using the MYM system exclusively. I I actually use it as a tool when I do take on clients. But the point is, whatever marketing tool you have, and if, as long as it's educational, I did look at the HMA presentation, it seemed pretty educational. Make sure that they really understand it, make sure that they devour it, make sure that they're converts and not just clients. Then there's really no, you don't have to spend your time convincing. You've got two people on the same side of the table trying to grow a business. That's right. And, and you know, you always find out what the author's definition of success is. What have you found? How does that help you? Because if their definition of success is get get rich quick and, and pretty much just retire to Bahamas, then they're not going to have the vision or the discipline to invest in their business for the long haul. For example, I'm sure you guys are taught about the lifetime value of a customer. Well, a get rich quick thinker is not interested in, in exploring that because they don't really care about the lifetime value of the customer. They just want to get, get a lot of money right away. You really want to stay away from that. But if their vision of success is having a thriving company that has lots of happy customers and they love what they do, I always ask them, before I, I, I actually take someone on as a client, I always ask them, why are you in this business? Why did you choose to go this direction in your life? Is there something else you'd rather be doing? Because the people who really are successful love what they're doing. Bill Gates doesn't want to retire, mm-hmm. even though he has all the money in the world. He loves what he does. Warren Buffett is going to be managing his investment portfolio until he dies. That's because he loves what he does. 
you want to find business owners that are like that because those are the people who are going to really take your advice seriously and really hit the ground running and implement it. The people who are just looking for a quick buck and this a way to serve only themselves and not their customers or the marketplace, they're not going to be good clients for you. All right. Can we talk about some success stories, some some uh, consulting clients, and just some exciting stories of how marketing or advertising or your consulting practice really kicked up sales for a company? What one client really sticks out in your mind? Well, I've created a niche for myself, and there's two, there's two niche industries that I've, I've created. One's chiropractic and this general alternative health care. The second is mortgage and real estate. Are those, now, uh, I mean, I know there's other people in that niche market. Even if there's four or five other players, is there still plenty of room for it? Yeah, absolutely. Because the fact is there's people that sell marketing systems for this is about any kind of industry you can think of. And a lot of my clients have already seen this stuff, these marketing systems, but they want someone who will go and customize a system is for exactly for them. All right, there we go. We're getting back to the same thing we talked about earlier. People don't want content. They don't want systems. They want someone to do it for them, right? They want someone to work with them, hold their hand, someone they can they can hold accountable, you know, someone that, that they know has their best interest in heart. So you were what you were offering was different than just an uh, information product on how to grow your business, chiropractic business. That's right. Let's talk about the importance. You mentioned two niche industries. Now, let's talk about the importance of niching yourself in a certain area as a consultant compared to being a general business growth strategist or marketing consultant for anyone and, and everyone. Are you better off with a niche? Absolutely. Why? Well, one, you can leverage your time much more effectively. If You don't have to recreate the wheel every single time. However, before you get into a niche, I do recommend that you, you consult with multiple businesses just so you can get a flavor of different scenarios. Because one of the most powerful things you can do is take something that works in another industry and apply it to a, a completely unrelated industry. It really gives you a lot of, a lot of leverage. It's funnel thinking instead of tunnel thinking. So it's really helpful. And honestly, even though those are my niches, I still take on random businesses, the people I like that I meet that I really want to help, and that's only maybe 20 to 30% of my practice, but it helps keep me sharp and helps keep my skills honed and refined and it helps me develop better systems in, in my niche industry. All right, so let's, what, what are you doing with the chiropractic industry? Well, for example, what I do is I send a, there's several different ways to get into a chiropractor, but it generally, I mean, I use three to four different methods to really get them as clients, but it all revolves around giving them service and giving them free advice. But once you get in, the first thing I do is I look at what they're doing. First thing you do is you look at what they're doing. Yes, and, and then I identify what I call profit leaks. What kind of lead generation do you use? What kind of piece do you get to get in front of them before you're able to look at their profit leaks? What, what's working no. for you? That's the cool thing about chiropractors. I can walk in and just act like a interested patient. I'll say something like, oddly enough, I'm a marketing consultant, and I was just doing some research for my client here, and you seem to have a pretty good operation, and I have a lot of information I can share with you about your competitors. I have a wide body of research about your competitors, about what they're doing, and about market trends. If you want, I can talk to you about it. And 
I've never had anyone say no yet. They love to know what their competitors are doing. That's right. And then we set up, said, look, I don't really have time now. I'll come back when you have some time, maybe before or after patients start coming in. Usually you want to catch them before patients come in. And you sit down and you talk to them about it. And you explain to them the problem and you get a feel for what their personality is like. You want someone that's going to implement. And that's really what I'm trying to get a feel for. Why they're doing chiropractic? Do they have a passion? Are they interested in expanding their customers' buying patterns? Or are they kind of a, have a narrow-minded view of what they do? So I really work on, because I also work on the innovation side of their business and really service offerings about where they are in the minds of the 80% of the people out there that don't like chiropractic. So I really work on expanding their thinking and talking to them about other alternative health care methods and how they all kind of work together and how chiropractic can be the hub of the wheel. So you're working just in your local area. You're, this is how primarily how you've been doing it with chiropractors is referrals and just walking in cold? That's right. And generally what happens is they eventually they said, well, how much will it cost to work with, with you? I said, well, first of all, before we ever get into that, I really want to understand you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure this is something that's going to work out for both of us. I'm not interested in clients. I'm interested in partners. The fact is that's the truth. That's not a lie. You do not want a client if you're going to have a perpetual relationship with them. You want a partner. And all my chiropractic partners, they're, they're pretty much in business with me. You know, I go and I check in on them. I give them advice on how to run their, their operation and constantly working with them. I like that. That's excellent. Generally, I always ask them, I've already gotten to a comfort point of them pretty much disclosing everything about their finances with me. How much money they're paying themselves, how much money they're bringing in each month, what their overhead is. You know, where they would like to be, what mistakes they think they're making, what their retirement plans are, everything. Then I find that people look, one, I'm a performance-based consultant, but that does not mean that you can get me for free. And I'll tell you why, because people do not respect what they don't pay for. This is from my experience. This is not a lie either. This is because I've taken on clients that contingency only, and they've been disasters. I want to make sure that you have a vested interest in this process just as well as I do. So I find a monthly figure that makes sense for their cash flow that isn't so much that they're going to be panicking if I don't deliver quickly enough, but isn't so little where they don't really feel like they have a vested interest. And well, give me a range between you've got some at what and some at what? As low as $3,500 a month for six months up to $9,000 a month. For six months? Yeah, generally I do six-month things. Plus, then I arranged a deal where I get about a third of increased business. 33% of increase in net? Revenue. Gross? Gross, yeah. And because you're dealing with a service business, there's there's enough in it for you. That's right. All right, and that's, an, that's another good advice. If you're going to do consulting, you're going to be a lot better off if you do set up contingency relationships to go with a service business that has high margins rather than some manufacturer or, or grocer that's making, you know, 3 or 4%. Absolutely. This printing company client, I've made good money from them, but their margins are so low that the most they could give us is 5% of the increased sales. When you're, are you taking them through a systemized questionnaire? I mean, you're consulting. Do you have a questionnaire that you... Well, you know, White's Marketing gave us one when we started. I created my own. I mean, at this point, I really don't use the Monopolize Your Marketplace system. Yeah, you've, cut, you've done your own thing. I still send White's Marketing their, their 10%, pretty much in gratitude, because if I hadn't had that as a starting point, I wouldn't have had the 
the confidence, I think, or the, the boost I needed to get into marketing consulting. All right, that's good. You're a good man. Let's say you know everything about my consulting practice. Tell me, how are you going to close it? You're going to say to me what? And how are you going to make me the offer for the money? What are you going to say to me? You're saying that if I were to go up after a consultant? Yeah, what, no, after a client. I'm your chiropractor client. We've talked. We've got a trust relationship. You know my finances, and now you're going to close. Let's say, quote, unquote, you're going to close me. What are you going to say to me? I never close anyone. I let them close themselves. All right. Well, tell me, what's your? how do you do that? This is where part of the art comes from. In my last business, I had a 95% closing ratio. And this business is about the same. It's just part of my nature to close people. It generally, if I had to really look at myself objectively, what I do is all I do is talk about them. All I do is talk about what what's going on, and then I give them advice, and I lead them down. I kind of do a funnel them. I identify the pain. A broad sense, I identify the trend, the fact that I understand something about the chiropractic industry, the fact that it's real powerful when you say something like, did you know that chiropractic is, in terms of people who are certified to practice, is growing two and a half times faster than the population rate? Wow. You know, I mean, that it's the highest default of any kind of student loan is for chiropractors. Explain all this stuff. If you identify what kind of problems they're having, their frustrations, and how... They can't reach out to that marketplace that's turned off by chiropractic. you got to show them that you know about the industry. And really that, and then you start showing them, well, you know, I mean, this is what I created to overcome this problem. Mm-hmm. I actually bring a lot of the materials with me, and I show them. And then they invariably ask, well, what does it cost to get involved with this? Before we even talk about money, I need to understand some things about you. I qualify them. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, and that's not a sales place either. That's just being a smart because if you just take on any chiropractor who's willing to have ten and you a check or any business within your niche industry, you'll be sorry. Problem. Yeah. And really, I'm not interested in that $3,500 a month of retainer or the $5,000 a month retainer. That's peanuts compared to the amount of money that I can make from increasing the business. I want someone who's really going to implement, hit the ground running, and I tell them about my other successes, my experience. I explain myself to them, and I practice myself as someone who knows what he's doing, get results for them fast, and is deeply committed and a partnership sense to anyone he works with. So that's good. So you, you really qualify me. You let them know that you're not interested in working with them unless they're they're going to do the program and we're partners because you have a stake in the contingency part of the relationship. That's right. And also, I mean, I'm discounting my time. Because at this point in my career, I'm making over $1,000 an hour for my time spent on any different given deal. For me, it's $3,500 a month is peanuts for spending 20 hours a week with someone. When you're really systemized, you don't spend 20 hours a week, but when you're starting, you're doing 20 hours a week. Not 20 hours a week, I'm sorry, 20 hours a month. All right, well, let's talk about what would you, what kind of advice would you give an HMA consultant who maybe doesn't have all those success stories and the consulting experience, and they're starting cold, but you give them advice to go with a niche? Everyone knows something about a particular industry. I mean, just think about the things you know about. Think about the experiences you've had. Maybe your former job you had or the job you currently have is within a particular industry and you know everything about that industry. That would be a great place to start. You, know, you can go back to your, your previous employer. You can go to a competitor business. You start putting together marketing materials that you think is going to work and really help that kind of business. And then you find hopefully you have some contacts somewhere in there and, and you go for a very low retainer, you just want to get the experience. The best way to accelerate your consulting career is to actually get 
success under your belt. Because you you the confidence, it's also going to give you the learning curve that you need to help others. And you've got to really think about honing your craft initially. Right. And just take on any client, be selective, but at the same time, don't be too demanding. So right, let's go to some, a couple of success stories with chiropractor clients. Well, for example, it's real easy to triple a practice within the first two to three weeks. So you can see if I'm getting a good percentage of that increase and how easy it is to make money, it's really easy to create passive income real quick. All right, what's the, what's the low-hanging fruit? The customer list? Reactivate old existing customers? Actually, no. The lowest-hanging fruit is actually on the average sale and the conversion ratio and referral. Okay. And you can implement those things right away. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to go through and say, well, whatever industry you're, you're in, study what everyone else does. Study what the most successful auto repair shop does. And take that and see how it works, why it works, and then just what you know about good marketing, enhance that. And then just coach and work with that shop to increase their version ratio and also increase their average sale. It's really easy to double a chiropractor's average sale overnight and also double their conversion ratio overnight. Tell me the responses you get from your clients when you do that. Initially, it was when we were getting started, I showed them the MYM system. We're just going to run a bunch of advertisements and they're going to get a bunch of leads. But generally, they're thrilled and a lot of times they don't even realize just how much their business has increased until they start getting collections in from their insurance company. Okay, you're doing some more stuff with the mortgage industry? Yeah, in fact, for the mortgage industry, I had several clients, and basically I was tired of getting more mortgage and realtor clients, so I decided to actually put together a federation of different people within this industry, and just the moving companies, lawyers who do the closing, and where I'm the hub of that wheel, and only working with people that qualify for the prospect space that I'm going after, the target market that I'm going after, and they pay a monthly fee to receive leads and then be part of this network, and they're all considered to be certified as part of this network. Do you offer any kind of guarantee with your customers? In the mortgage and realtor industry, yeah. What kind of guarantee? Well, that they're going to get X amount of leads. Okay. And what about with chiropractor? No, I haven't had to. Okay. Do you, what kind of uh, agreement do you sign? Simple? You have a standard contract, an attorney drew up, or what? This is the key. The first month, I always kind of do a handshake and see how well we work together because I'm not interested in spending much of my time with someone if they're not going to implement the kind of advice I give them. And also, I want to make sure they're comfortable working with me because this is a perpetual lifetime kind of agreement and there's a buyout clause. Before we sign that kind of agreement, I want to make sure that we're going to be happy with each other. Mm -hmm. before, you, before you get married, let, let, let's date a little bit. Then I move them into a perpetual agreement and they, they have an option to buy me out after the first year. And the key is the first month, I make sure that they get results make sure that they get results right away so that they're comfortable entering into that kind of relationship with me. I'm just completely results-oriented to begin with, but even more so during that first month. They have to see a return on that, that retainer investment right away. Have you had anyone buy you out yet? No, because I haven't had them long enough yet. Is working with the car, is that something you've started implementing the last few months? Over the past year. Over the past year, okay. Do you find they're staying with you longer than, do they renew another six months or? There's no renewal. It's perpetual. Oh, it is perpetual. That's right. It's a six-month retainer. Right. What happens in month seven? More retainer or no? 
no retainer, and it's a straight contingency at that point. I got you. But you're not seeing them near as much. The systems are in place. That's right. You know, that's not true. I do see them at least an hour or two or, or a week. I'm constantly looking ways to increase their business. And I take that information and I apply it to other people with my industry. How full is your schedule? Are you pretty busy? Or you, I mean, yeah, extremely. You're extremely busy. Yeah. All right, you got any other exciting success stories you want to talk about? Anything specific that you'd like to share? Yeah, I've had a lot of successes. And one of the things is you can make a lot of money in this industry. And the easiest thing to do is every monumental overnight success comes from not trying to implement something new, but from just optimizing what they already had. For example, the printing company, the first one I ever got, which I've had for several years now, initially we tried to implement the NYM system. It did pay for itself. It paid for the retainer, but it didn't really get the monumental success they thought we all thought it would. Uh, and some because it doesn't work. It's just because they had a hard time managing it. It was too cumbersome. It was too different from what they were used to. And finally, we're, we're just like, you know what? Let's just take a look at what you're doing and optimize that. For example, so we went to their salespeople and talked to the sales manager and figured out, okay. First of all, we need to incentivize these people to actually get new clients. We've generated a lot of prospects. There's not following up on it. This is the constraint in the whole system. You're only going to be as fast as your, your fastest constraint within the system. And let's just tweak this. Let's change the commission structures. And right there, a 35% increase in sales in two months. So that's, that's the kind of thing that you can do. And that's one thing I was impressed about with your system is the fact that you guys are focusing initially on what they're already doing and optimizing it. You're going to get your biggest windfalls from that, mm -hmm. not from implementing something new. And one of the things is, as a marketing consultant, it's really easy to get enamored with these ideas of making a lot of money, and you certainly can, but if you don't really love the human mind, you don't really love what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, your chances of success go down dramatically. If you don't have passion for marketing, again, you're not going to be able to result, get the results that you could it's like passion is an intelligence amplifier. What are some tools and some systems that you've put in place, whether it's software or anything within your office that you're able to leverage your time now that you're getting busier, busier? I mean, I know I am, and I'm constantly looking for ways to, if I could, I just finally got something that eliminates all my spam. I mean, you know how much time it takes to go through your spam. Any neat systems that you use, any tools that you use within your business that help give you an edge? Well, you know, actually, I've reduced the number of tools because you, you can imagine I'm a gadget guy. Yeah. I, I grew up on computers. I, everything uh, I do was digital for so long, and I found that that's to be cumbersome. I use go to go to my meeting, review documents, and and like. What is that? A website? Go to me. My meeting is a service whereby you can have a virtual meeting over the web and only cost fifty bucks a month. That's nice. Is it? What's the website? The URL. GoToMeeting.com. GoToMeeting.com. Okay, that sounds nice. Yeah, and it's a really good tool for interacting with people if you can't make it. Considering I deal with a lot of chiropractors, I really like to see their operations because there's so many different points of impression that you make on a patient right there physically. And also I have several retail operations that are clients of mine, and i got to get a sense of what their physical experience is like. I have mortgage companies and the real estate agents, however, that kind of stuff I can do remotely pretty well. Hey, you're going to love, I've got a recording up on when I send you the recordings with Dr. Greg Nielsen. Have you heard of him? 
he's a Dan Kennedy student, and he's he's specifically chiropractor, and he's got a a system. It's a soap opera letter system that he uses. It's phenomenal. Really? Yeah, you'll hear the recording about one of his letters, and he sells the letters. But I did an interview with him on his chiropractic business. Actually, the the recording I have in the uh, university section, I did cut a lot of the history out about how he works with patients. But I do have the full version of that. I think that'll be particularly perfect for you to listen to. I'll give you the unedited version where you can hear his system as operating a chiropractic business. Very successful in a very, very small town using a system of soap opera letters. It's phenomenal. And this kind of leads into another piece of advice I could give your consultants is that never think that you have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've increased chiropractic offices a thousand percent in sales inside of a year, yet I definitely know I don't have all the answers about how to best market chiropractic because the human mind is so fast and so unpredictable and so fascinating that you can never have the perfect system. This is an example whereby you always want to be looking for, for new approaches that might be more efficient, something else you can add to increase your, your client's sales. Mm-hmm. So because of your, I want to just get back to something, because the HMA system, we, we talk about contingency, but not at first. We talk about selling it per project, and there's seven different projects you can sell. But because you're qualifying so well, have you had any problems with contingency relationships where these six months are gone and then you're in a position? First of all, you only want to do business with people you trust. Second, you want to get them in a habit whereby you are reviewing their books with them on a monthly basis at least. You want to start doing that up front so that they have that expectation and they know that they're going to have to be straightforward or they're going to have to do some real creative cooking of the book, in which case it would be real easy for you to uh, detect that because you're familiar with their numbers. When's the first time you review their books? Right before I signed the big agreement. Do they have an accountant that they'll refer you to or they usually do it themselves or what? It really depends. I've only had to talk to the accountant once. Some people generally don't know, but generally most chiropractors know what they're doing. Number one, get them in the habit that you're going to review their books and you're going to do it monthly because you're partners and that's part of the agreement, right? That's right. And number two, qualify them. And number two, make sure you trust them and feel good about them and you shouldn't have any problems. That being said, I, I know that I've probably got several chiropractors that are going to have the opportunity to buy me out within the next two months, and I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. <laughs> What, now, what, so tell me, what could a buyout mean for you? What, how, how do you structure that in the offer, in the well, agreement? You want to have the buyout to be based on standard industry valuations for their industry, basically. For example, a, a typical chiropractor, if they're going to sell their firm, it's one times revenue, roughly. Doing a million dollars a year, they can sell that for a million dollars. And basically, I get X percent of whatever that increased valuation. The part of the, the valuation I'm responsible for, I get X percent of that. So give me an example. What, you've got a couple potential. What could that mean for you? It could mean making several hundred thousand dollars. And then they own the systems and everything. That, that'd be exciting. That's great. Wow. That's, what, what, how do you come up with a, um, a baseline? Baseline is what I do is I take a look at their sales in the past and, and I take a look at what their natural growth is. You always want to get them a little bit more than what they would. This makes them feel good about it. Mm -hmm. It's to be fair. A little bit more than what they're already doing mm -hmm. as a baseline. And you, you both agree on the baseline. That's right. This has been great. I'm just, I'm sure we could sit here and talk for hours. 
I really appreciate you taking the time. Given a lot of a lot of great, great insight. I really appreciate it. No, no. To all the HMA consultants, I wish you the greatest of luck. Uh, remember to follow your own definition of success instead of someone else. I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Alex Whiting. We've covered a lot of information, and I hope you'll take his advice and listen to it closely. Alex has been in the consulting business for a long time, and certainly he shared some extremely valuable information. I hope it's been helpful. Keep an eye out for new recordings on the HMA University. Thank you. Here is another bonus resource for you, and it's about a section on my site that has about 15 hours of audio interviews with copywriting experts, including Brian Keith Voiles, including Carl Galletti, including Eugene Schwartz. You will not find this content anywhere. It'll take you to an entire collection of audio recordings, MP3 downloads, and transcripts of some of my best interviews on the subject of copywriting. You'll be able to play them, download them, print the transcripts, and it's a collection you will not find anywhere else. If you want an education on copywriting, you will not find anything better than this.